today's podcast is going to be something that is weighing heavily on most of our hearts. And it's dealing with the troubled times that not only we are living in, but we are all probably personally questioning. There's going to be a prophetic word at the end of my message today, but the message itself is right now a now timing word, and it is burning in my heart. So I will share that with you. It is prophetic in its insights, and it has warnings from the Lord as well as encouragements from the Lord about what we need to be preparing for. So I ask that you would listen with your heart open, your spirit willing to receive instructions as the Spirit of the Lord speaks to the churches, to his people who are his churches, what he would have to say. What the Lord impressed me with through this prophetic insider teaching is this. Whenever there is a fresh wave or move of God's plan in the earth in regard to the redeeming of souls, there is also a counter-movement at work among the religious and also the prideful elite intellectuals of the day. These situations are brought on through the influence of evil spirits who have been assigned to try and destroy the future generations of passionate and unspoiled servants of grace that God would plan to use in the earth, the sons and daughters of the king. As we begin to see the dawning of the promised wave of God's greatest harvest Greatest harvest event ever known to man since the birth of Christ Jesus, the Lord is going to allow the Herod type of attitudes to be justly addressed. There are those who were once deeply a part of what God was doing and have lost that so-called advantage to either aging process, transition in ministry, or through focusing strictly on their own ministry advancement and the love for public applause and popularity. Honestly, you would think that as we are seeing biological global war and infiltration taking place, that the body of Christ would stop all programs and plans and be sober, sober, repenting for passivity and indifference to God's warning voice, and then be literally having every meeting or gathering focused on strong prayer, strong worship lifted up to the God of all creation which is a massive weapon of warfare against the evil shroud attempting to suffocate the planet. How can we explain this wave of the loss of spiritual discernment and power? How does the devil steal the very heart out of the Christian experience? One thing is certain, it doesn't happen suddenly or overnight. People lose their love for the truth by degrees. Little by little, they lower their standards and compromise their faith until nothing remains except a dead, empty, angry, and bitter form. Some, like Lot's wife, will be so married to the world, so enmeshed in its delicious intellectual and sociological one-upmanship, that they cannot let go in time. They will have to suffer with terrible and shocking consequences over the things which they loved more than they loved God. Others, like Lot, will awaken just in time, to choose very quickly and decisively. Without taking a backward glance, they will move out in complete obedience to the will of God. My friends, this is the choice everyone faces. Lot's wife suffered terrible consequences when she played with the word of a holy God. She was dragging her feet and resented having to leave the life she had grown to adore in every way. The offense of looking back upon the luxury, sensual, and modernized lifestyle that she had grown to love exposed her divided will. It also revealed the fact 
that her heart was still bound up with the affairs of a corrupt and condemned social order. Two voices were competing for her faithfulness and steadfastness in the face of temptation. The voice of heaven, the voice of God calling her to liberty, purity, and salvation. And the other voice, the voice of the darkness, the voice of popularity and pleasure, the voice of Sodom. Slowly, the voice from beneath gained a foothold in a badly bent conscience. And Lot's wife stands as a tragic example of a divided heart. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. And he said it to those who would live through the final traumatic moments of Earth's history. He is saying it to the believer right now. Remember Lot's wife. We need to hear it again and again. The message that says obedience is better than anything else in revealing our love. Jesus said so. If you love me, keep my commandments. Friends, disobedience is worse than anything because it is an act of disloyalty in its very nature. You know, there's a statement that was spoken one time, and it's this. People become like the God they serve. Now think about that statement. And then think about the current world system and those attempting to encroach upon every human being until they are worn down. Science without the supreme being God Almighty, the creator, worships the counterfeit God, Lucifer. God, he is a super dynamic creative. He created colors, light, air, weather systems of perfection, land, minerals, water, salt and not salty water, plants of all sorts, medicinal, edible, sheltering, and some simply for beauty. He delighted in the creation and nurturing of perfectly formed humans whom he loves. But Lucifer, he, the counterfeit, is super destructive, destroys colors. He loves gray and darkness, thrives on destroying land, minerals, waters, abusing plants, and delights in torturing and confusing humans for revenge against God Almighty, for false power, and for graft. Do you see those or know those who laugh or who don't believe in a living act of God? Well, they are trapped in a bitter heart narrative by the limited God of only this world, Lucifer. And they have become like him, bitter, abusive, angry that they can't dictate to God and change his plans. And they are filled with doubts and rage because that's what Lucifer does to humans. He lies to them and traps their minds and weakens them to keep them from encountering and embracing the father of their very own forever. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And that's from 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God the Father. Some of the evil spirits Lucifer uses come and taunt those with old religious residual mindsets. Those who feel that there is a deserved spiritual hierarchy in the ranks of the king. Many have assumed that because they have labored and have paved the pathway with their life's blood for the next wave of the king, that they deserve a place of special recognition and a form of holding on to the leash of those they have coming up underneath them. If this is not humbly acknowledged and repented of, this can cause what the scripture calls exasperating your children to occur. Colossians 3.21 says that fathers do not exasperate your children, 
that they may not lose heart. This creates an atmosphere of shame and pushes many into a place of frustration in not wanting to dishonor their mentors, but feel that they will be watched in their every move and smugly, with an accusing raising of the eyebrows, be discussed in demeaning terms as they too try to reach their destinies and calling in the way of the Lord. The Lord has recently been impressing me about what goes on in the hearts of those who choose to not allow others to be promoted or to rise above them in any area that they might have either at one time held influence in or who are at this moment in time the lead or main voice of an organization or a ministry or an institution. This can occur in a business situation too or in a ministry setting where only after you have jumped through certain hoops of performance or other tests, you will possibly then be esteemed of useful value and perhaps be allowed a place of input or respect among the hierarchy of the day. The Lord is lovingly allowing painful travail to occur in order for the current generations of fathers and mothers in the faith to see that through releasing and affirming the sons and daughters in their care, or who are now, due to the season, moving past them in influence or in special anointings, that they too will once again run hard and multiply themselves through imparting and sending out the new wave of the king's regiments. Are we hindering? Are we harvesting? The hidden prophetic and travailing element of individuals who are being shaped into the fabric of God's own weaving are currently being made ready for a swift and dynamic change of pace. What was once long and hard will become shortened and filled with rest. Release of God's grace and abundant mercy is coming into fulfillment as you end your course of instructions for this season, but you are not done running the race by a long stretch. Many of you are in your late 40s to your mid-60s. You have not had the pleasure of faithful mentoring. So, with some of you, the Lord has instead made your life one of mentoring and preparing others. Look now at the pathway the Lord has allowed you to pave, and one that others might walk upon when they too experience times of darkness and difficulty. Your lives have a divine radiance that has prepared a footing for them in Christ, so that they may not stumble and fail. Lay down the insecure need to control anything that you are afraid might not go the way that you think God should be moving. It's really not up to us to maneuver and manipulate how God will choose to break out in power, in conviction, and in exposing the darkness in men's hearts. Let's begin with letting him create clean hearts in us first. The Father in heaven intentionally stripped himself of his greatest glory. His son, in order that the wave of redemption needed in the earth might be brought forth through the son. So in doing so, the father was glorified. He was exalted and further honored by allowing this son to fulfill his part of the triune plan. Why is this not modeled by more of those who are calling themselves leaders, bishops, apostles, or even now the newly developed term, super apostles? There is a spirit on loose from hell. It is nothing more than a mimic of the spirit of pride that Lucifer operated in, and it operates in many others now. It has been working hard to invade the minds of many who at one time were in the forefront of specific moves of God or who were key leaders in areas of ministry building in the past. 
This spirit operates much like how Herod the Great did during the time when the Savior was about to be born in the earth. Herod was so terribly afraid that someone would snuff him out or would outdo him that he lived in paranoia, and he constantly manipulated and curried favor in order to gain influence or access to whatever he needed to keep his stronghold of power intact. This is occurring on natural and world governmental stages and paralleled in the spiritual world as well. So let's read in the word about this first. In Matthew 2, 1 through 6, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now when Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all of the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Now, Herod was a man who expected others to understand that he was the one who held all command. There was no room at the table for those who would not sway his way. He used smooth talk with other kings and influential leaders to obtain information and tasty morsels of gossip to plan his next move in order to keep his position intact. As the chief priests and keepers of the law were called together, now they walked on eggshells around Herod. The word of God spoke about this humble little town where a new ruler was to be raised up and would note this statement and would care for the people, causing a wave of spiritual sonic booms that would forever shake and change the world. Herod didn't care for people. They were supposed to care for him and fear him and grovel. He had worked hard and had jousted and manipulated constantly to gain all of this power and honor. Matthew chapter 2, 7 through 8 says, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Oh, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Notice, Herod gathered the three kings into his chambers secretly to hide his plan from the priests and lawmakers. And with a slimy, oozing, well-cultivated and deceptive tongue, he tried to appear ever so interested in the new child that was in his way. He acted out in false humility and used it to try to obtain information as to where his upstart enemy might be located. He wanted to at least honor him and worship him too. But in all reality, Herod wanted to go and scope out where this new king might live and see what he had to compete with and then kill him. But God had planned that the next wave of his power on the earth must come through a childlike and poor son, one who would not get stuck in traditional posturing or in the trends of the era, one who would not manipulate with intellect, cunningness, or through lofty ambition. God had given of his seed, his living, prepared pathway. He gave it all into the next generation of his presence and the move of his glory in the earth into a son who had lived in the very presence of God and was one with him. 
Now the three wise men, let's talk about Matthew chapter 2 through 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now these three kings had heard the true intentions of King Herod's heart. They were discerning men, and realized that after having been hauled off by Herod to a very secretive meeting to inquire about this new ministry and possible challenger of Herod's rule, something was a little offbeat. Herod had left a very saccharine aftertaste in the mouths of the wise men, and wisely they stayed and still stayed on the course that God had led them on and met the true king of glory. He was lowly, he was innocent and pure, and he radiated the pure light and presence of God himself. These men didn't need pomp or strong-armed prideful leadership to cause them to bow down and give honor to this tiny king. No, the simple humility of the promise to come was enough to cause them to bow their knees and worship the king of heaven. Their reward was to have a visitation in their dreams to not return, nor to converse or talk with Herod about the new wave of glory that would be coming through this child. Verse 12 out of Matthew chapter 2 says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I'd like to share a prophetic word of encouragement with you now, something that I feel the Holy Spirit has given me as a prophetic utterance. And I ask that you just don't listen to it and let it pass you by, but you let it pierce you, that you let it go past all the things of the mind and go into your spirit, where then the spirit can instruct your mind in the way it should go. Here's what the Spirit of God has said. For I, the Lord, have prodded and whispered, shouted and commanded many to assist you in paving the way. If you are weary of waiting for releases and the fulfilled promise, take what you now have and in reckless abandonment cast it upon the water. I will see to it that you will not be left with empty hands. I bless what is little if it is given in humility and obedience, rather than much given in false humility and personal safety. Come to the place of safety under my shadowed wing. Anguish has been your companion too long, as well as the gaping ache for friends that stick closer than a brother. I have begun building relationships among you that stem from brokenness in each of you, and also where you have learned the value of discretion. See me fulfill and direct your path. Watch the answers dawn upon your list of asked and yet unanswered questions. I see the cunning liars in the world laying in wait to trap and break the hearts of humanity, but I have called you to be bold and brave and filled with courage. I call you to stand again and stand against the raging seas of evil and watch me open up a way that leads you into safety and my very purposes for the world needing healing and deliverance. Stop all that you can in the natural way of achievements and moving forward with your own way and plans. Call for days and nights of prayer. Father, mother, youth, children, older and younger, Intercede for those mocking the very Jesus they once loved. Intercede for the ignorant who are being chained to systems of great fear and bondage. Weep and pray and trust your bond to me will either hold you safe or your resistance to me will feed fear and resentment. See me as the one who can move upon the hearts of those who quickly obey when I touch their inner man with compassion and spiritual insights. 
for I have few in the earth who live to obey me promptly. And I just sense in the spirit there are some of you that are hiding things that you have done. And I sense in the spirit there are a couple of people in ministry who have had secret almost affairs in their offices with other women, and some have, and you've hidden it from your wife, and you've banished some of these people from your fellowship. The Lord sees it, the Lord knows it. There are some that have been absconding with money, and there's several that have been gambling with cash. They've got a gambling addiction. And the Father is saying, I'm giving you a chance to come clean and tell the truth now, because everything in your life that can be shaken will be shaken. There are also those that are mocking and making fun of the move of the Spirit of God, saying that it's become an old thing. They're ashamed of the gifts of the Spirit. They no longer allow the flowing of the gifts unless it comes from one person. And the Father wants to let you know that when you restrain the Spirit of God, you restrain His voice, that He will scatter the sheep and send them where there is freedom. And the Lord has also encouraged me to share that there are some who are at this point seeking money rather than seeking the fellowship and the goodness of their, their people and their fellowship. They're more concerned about money and power and about keeping their own bank account stoked rather than caring for the orphans and the widows and the people in distress right now among them. The Lord wants to let you know that this funding that you have in your pocket can just get a hole in it as quickly as it's come in. But as you cast your bread, as you give, as you share, as you humble yourself, and release the spirit of fear in you that thinks that God will not financially provide in another way. You are going to mess it up and it is going to absolutely bring tragedy on the call of God on your life. I want to speak to those mothers that are suffering right now and fathers with children who seem to be just having gone AWOL from the Lord, that they've become literally verbal activists for darkness. And you have been questioning, what did we do? What did we say? Were we too stern? Were we too soft? Were we too spiritual? Were we not spiritual enough? Were we blind? Well, the Lord wants to let you know if you have repented of everything you know to do and have attempted to talk these things out with your children, that He does not hold you accountable for their sins or for their disobedience. Your job is to stand and pray and stand and pray and stand and pray some more and to watch God do the work. But you cannot project what you think He's going to do. Your job is to pray. His job is to do what he sees as best to keep them from giving in to the total darkness that is trying to suck them in. I know that this was a strong word and perhaps a teaching that was not comfortable, but we are living in difficult times and we need to be honest and integral with what the Lord shares with us, whether people like us or not. Now, Father, we take these words, we chew on them, we discern them, we go through your word over them, we pray about them. And Father, if they're hitting home, I'm asking you that they are not deflected by those who still don't think that what they've done is that bad or that they've told you so they don't need to tell their wife or they don't need to tell their father and mother or they don't need to tell their employer. Father, they have to come clean. They have to get it out because the enemy holds them in captivity, in fear or in blindness. And Father, we know that the enemy is good at slander and betrayal. He will find a way to expose mankind and then point a finger and mock at the sons of God. Lord, we need you more than we've ever needed you before. I believe we were on the cusp and the verge of some things that we are going to see that are truly miracles and signs and wonders that only you can perform through humble people being willing to pray for the sick, those that are having curable diseases now, those that are destined to die from something that has happened in their bodies that has been forced upon them, and that you are able to eradicate the problems these things are causing because you are a God who creates and you are a God who does creative miracles. So you can remove that which has been harmed and you can replace it with that which is supernaturally healing and creative. 
I thank you, Father, for hearing our prayers. I thank you that this word will go out across the nations. Your word is sent out to do that which you've sent it to do, and it will not return void. So we just stand before you right now in this moment, and we say, Father, have your way in me. I want to thank all of you for listening today. I know that many of you listen in different foreign countries. I'd like to say hello to Hong Kong and Japan and also the island of um, Crete. So many of you are listening, and I don't know how you get this podcast other than the Lord has it going out in several places. I know that God will take it and send it where he wants to. Once again, I would like to thank those of you who send the 10 and the 15 $20 offerings. These are the things that keep me able to pay for the podcast and all the things that go with having to produce it. I don't live on a massive income with millions to throw away. I'm like you. I work hard, I pray hard, and I trust God. But I also know that He uses others who have blessed me to be able to be a blessing, to help others. And I'm eternally grateful for those of you that share your offerings. They are used specifically for this purpose. I bless you today in the name of Jesus, and I encourage you to go to my podcast or my website, and Global Prayer Rooms, which is www.globalprayerrooms.com, where you can send prayer requests. And we have a group of people who love Jesus all over the world. These people just take these requests and they get on their knees before the Lord and pray. They don't expect anything back except that the hand of God would move on your behalf. I bless you now in the name of Jesus, and I encourage you to absolutely not be robbed from the voice of darkness and be strong in the Lord. Because it's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. Goodbye for now.